Making those final arrangements after the death of a loved one is never easy, hampered even more by the trauma and cloud of grief. Randy with Stokes, Proc and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us funeral directors are experienced and their goal is to facilitate your healing. Because when there's a death, it's traumatic to most people. So we're dealing with their acute grief. One of our roles is to comfort them and, you know, and give them order where there's disorder because they don't know what to do. They're in shock, they're numb, and they need somebody to lead them down the right path. And for the most part, that's what funeral directors do or try to do. Sometimes people know what they want, but they don't always know what they need. And that's us to give them options. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. Hello, everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. A, a brand new day is upon us. We've got lots to get to, as we usually do on a Tuesday. We're going to be talking about that controversial development in the town of Washington. Well, at least as of now, still the town of Washington. Will the city of Eau Claire annex? We got a little bit of a hint earlier this week as to a possibility. We have updates on the potential future or lack thereof of commercial air service at the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport. We're going to talk about homeless week for college students in the area. Uh, a rather serious issue, but one in which I think a lot of the the anger and vitriol is directed lazily in the wrong direction. And a lot of pounding the fist and, and stomping your feet on sand type of arguments. We'll talk about that and so many other things to get to today. Oh, there's so much. There's always a big smorgasbord of things for us to get to. On talk of the town, no, yeah, just no, no limit of stuff. I was thinking of doing the the show today, though, outside. Ultimately, we were doing it in the studio, but just a an angels are smiling chamber of commerce type of day. We're re, we're recording this if you're listening to the podcast version on Tuesday afternoon, and it's just gorgeous. And even if you look ahead to the weekend. The weekend, what do they say it's going to be in the low 60s, upper 50s? You know, a little chillier. You're going to need a windbreaker, might need a sweater. But if it's sunny this weekend, it's still going to be okay. Still going to be okay. Amazing how far we've come on the weather from a, <laughs> from a month ago. Uh, well, we'll start off with this. The Eau Claire Planning Commission got together on Monday night and recommended recommended annexing that property ticketed for development in the town of Washington. The property's landowner, which is, which is not, by the way, the groups that are proposing the development, but we're getting caught in the weeds here, the, the, the farmer's family that 
owns the property. They are the ones that are officially petitioning for the annexation. They have asked for the annexation of their property, basically just south of I-94 into the city of Eau Claire. The Eau Claire Planning Commission on Monday said, yep, we recommend it. Now, it was a narrow vote, but that's not a bad thing that it wasn't universe that it wasn't unanimous it's a narrow vote but it doesn't also mean that it was not recommended that's why you have multiple people and multiple opinions and and all of that if if everything that's that to move forward needs to be unanimous we wouldn't get a lot of things done there's a few exceptions where you need things to be unanimous namely jury trials with exceptions there as well but We could have that debate for another time. Now, the city council will have the final say, more than likely, next week. And what should be a very fun city council week next week. We'll not only likely have a vote here, but we'll get updates, too, on what's going on with Benny Haas and the liquor license renewal for those downtown businesses. Remember, that decision was punted. So we might get some movement there as well. But next week, oh, it's going to be as fun as watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit in terms of you're going to look to your right and there's something going on to the left. And when you're looking to the left, there's something going on above you and there's something going on below you and there's something going everywhere. And it's going to be a delightful treat next week when the city council gets together. They will have the final say as to whether the city of Eau Claire officially does annex this property. Annexation would allow the city to extend water and sewer to this property. The city would take care of the roads. More than likely, they would be responsible for upgrading the type of roads that would be around this property. This would truly be a part of the city as opposed to city adjacent. It would truly be a part of the city. Now, judging by the fact city staff sent out a press release earlier this week promoting this and hyping it up, acknowledging other areas of the city that were once annexed and are now very much a part of the city, a lot of the development that's gone on south of Claremont Ave was at one point annexed into the city. Princeton Valley on the north side was once annexed in, not that long ago, but you never think of it because it's now just part of the city. And that's what the idea is here, that this property would become part of the city. It w- I have a hard time seeing the city council not voting for this. Remember, though, them voting for annexation doesn't automatically mean they're going to vote for the development. That's two different things. But if they vote in, the, if they annex the property in, it does lead the way to maybe more so fixing some of the issues that the residents around there have. The, the only issue, if, if the only issue a resident around that area truly has is they just don't want to lose that land to development, well then, again, you're pounding sand. You live in a city. If you want rural, you've got other places to live. You're trying to live far rural. 
You live in a city. You live five minutes from a festival foods where you are there. But if your argument is, hey, you know, if you're going to develop like this, you need to have better roads, you need to bring out the sewer lines, you need to bring out the water, then I entirely agree with you. If you're going to extend a city, you have to extend a city. But again, I have a hard time seeing the city council not ultimately voting for this next week, especially with the Planning Commission recommending the annexation. And we, we've been constantly hearing about the issue with housing and housing prices and all of this. You can't be for housing in this area and vote this down. There are no other ways to get around affordable housing other than supply and demand. There are no other ways. You, you can talk all you want about landlords and property managers and all that. They, they should be building affordable housing. Well, they can't make any money off of it. It's not a charity. Even if these people have good hearts, they can't build a lot of properties that are going to be a loss for them year in and year out. They can't do it. So then you have to subsidize it. So then we're all paying for it. The long-term solution is you need to fix the supply and demand. You need more options. Only way to lower cost is more. That's it. One thing, too, I want to talk to all these people on the south side of Eau Claire. You do remember, and a lot of these people have moved in long since after this, but let's not forget, 20 years ago, And probably up until the tail end of the Great Recession, the assumption was in this community that south of I-94 was going to just be a blossoming district. That was where the city was going rapidly. Action City built out that way. You just thought it was all going to happen very quickly, remember. And then you had the Great Recession hit. A lot of projects never came to fruition. A lot of development, a lot of talk, a lot of ideas just sort of stopped. And then people began to look more downtown again. And that became the hot spot to develop. But 20 years ago, south of I-94 was fair game. And the people living out that way had to have seen that this was going to come at some point. We will see what the city council will vote next week. Undoubtedly, there's going to be letters and petitions from residents out that way. There's other people that, no matter what, always like to be a rabble-rouser, and they're going to complain about it. But I will tell you this, awful lot of people are very much for this as well. In fact, a lot of the people I talk to away from this camera, away from this microphone that are city leaders, people of influence in this community, I would say about 99% are all on board with this development going through, want this development to go through. And not all of them live away from this development. Some of them live pretty darn close to the development. Speaking of developments, we, we got some news this week on the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport, and I, and I don't think there's any other way to say it, but it's a disappointment. 
I think the people with the airport will put a positive spin on it. I do not think this is the death of the airport, but it is disappointing. And that is the news that obviously we know that SkyWest United Airlines is pulling out as soon as another carrier can be found. And the city, I shouldn't say the city, the federal government, which is overseeing this, the federal government is the one that's going to be bringing in another service. The federal government has received three bids. None on their own are enticing. You've got Southern Airways. These these are all, uh, two of these are uh, commuter lines that operate under a different banner. So Southern, which I think would fly as American and United Boutique, I think flies as American. But you've got Southern, you've got Boutique. They would both fly to, I think they'd both go to Chicago and the Twin Cities almost daily. But they would be using propeller planes. Skippy would be out there with goggles on and a <laughs> he, he'd be out there with, with goggles on and, uh, and a scarf. He'd look like one of those old barnstormers. He'd, he'd get you on the plane, then he'd get the propeller going, and up you go. I'm not being that far off, by the way. They would be propeller planes, turboprop planes that used to fly in and out of the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport before you got the jets 15 years ago. It would be puddle jumpers. And I think the majority of the Twin Cities, I think Southern would also go to Chicago. I'm not sure about Boutique. They would be flying eight, nine passenger, passenger planes. Puddle jumpers. Then you've got one other option, Sun Country. Now, that's an airline people have wanted in this area for a while, Sun Country. But they wanted it as an augmentation, not as the main carrier. Sun Country would come in. They would go to Fort Myers. They would go to Orlando. They'd go to Las Vegas. They would do these seasonally, though, not daily flights. And they would also throw in two flights to Minneapolis. Now, they would fly a 737. That's a big plane. They'd fly a 737, nearly 200 seats, well, you and I know you're not going to need 200 seats to fly to Minneapolis, so how long would that last? And the tough thing is, all these places, the major- all three of these options, the majority of their flights would be to Minneapolis, which we don't need flights to Minneapolis. You can drive out there easily. There's no convenience to, go- to flying from here to the Twin Cities. Especially, there just really isn't. There, there's no there, there's no need for that. Having a flight to Chicago, having flights elsewhere is necessary, but not to the Twin Cities. We talk all the time, currently, the cost savings and the savings to your time flying out of the airport right now. Well, if all of a sudden you're flying to the Twin Cities, it's not worth it. So you got three options. None of them are exciting. Southern and Boutique, as soon as I saw turboprop planes, I said no. You wouldn't get me on those. Sun Country, it would be fun to have those flights to Vegas and Florida, and I think you'd get some traffic out of that, 
but it can't be regular commercial traffic. There is a lot of business traveler traffic for commercial passengers at the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport, and none of these take care of any of that. None of it. If you've got to fly east, none of this is convenient. Not good. It's not good. The three options. Uh, Now, Charity Zeech, who is very much going to try to put a positive spin on this, she made a good comment. I think it was in the leader telegram. You look at the number of seats that are available. All right. Now, the airport flies out about 36,000 people right now. That's a number that was going up before the pandemic, and it already looks like it's shooting up again. Both Southern and Boutique would not come close to even having the available number of seats to cover what you usually have. So Southern and Boutique are banking on the idea that there would be less demand in Eau Claire with their service. Sun Country would actually provide more seats because they've got the huge planes coming in. But again, you wonder, are they going to be able to fill that up? And do you need 200-seat planes to fly to the Twin Cities? And they're only going to fly twice a week to the Twin Cities. I think it's, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, the, fi- the federal government will have the final say. Locals can voice their opinion. The local airport planning commission will have a say in the matter. They're getting together on Friday morning. It'll be interesting to see what they recommend. Do they look at the three proposals and go, eh? Now, I guess Sun Country. I, I'd go, I, there's a part of me that says, you know, you got three bids here. None of them are enticing to be your main carrier at your airport. But I look at it this way. Take Sun Country because you've got the new destinations and then you hope Either Sun Country expands their offerings, though they're not a commuter airline. They are a destination airline. Get Sun Country in. Hope either they expand or you can still get another carrier in for more travel to Chicago with jet service. I think you need jet service in 2022, 2023. Prop planes will not work. There's a lot of people that will not get on a prop plane I am not in the minority on that. I know it. Southern Boutique, nine-seat puddle jumpers, I think that would fly like an unfilled balloon in people's minds. So, nay-nay on that. And for those of you out there saying, well, who cares? You don't need losing commercial service. You don't know until it's gone how important it is. You need that. You need that to be a viable community asset. Now, the airport will remain busy. Obviously, Menards has a lot of traffic out of there. There's an awful lot of other businesses. Now, this was before the pandemic. Last time I heard this, a few months before the pandemic. It'll be interesting to see if it's still the same way. Ah, If you're watching on Facebook, uh, there was a hair on my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) that's why you should be watching on facebook and the lord knows it wasn't my hair i am as uh i am as smooth on top as smooth on top as soup skin but 
Where was I there? All about the airport and uh, service. Before the pandemic, I know this, there was an awful lot of other businesses in town that flew private jets in and out. A lot of lawyers, a lot of big accounting firms in the area, a lot of those spots in town that have satellite offices around the Midwest, in Wisconsin in particular, have a, have a jet or two up there. Some big-time construction contractors have service. So the airport would remain busy. And they've got the restaurant up there that does well. The, the restaurant up there does not, does not cater to passengers. All right, they cater to the north side, the Hangar 54. They don't really cater to passengers because that's not an airport where you go and you have a drink before you go on the plane. If you've ever been up there, I know I, we, my wife and I went up there once about five, six years ago to drop her off for a flight. And we said, oh, we'll go eat before she gets on the plane. But it, if you've ever been up there, you know, even if you've got like 45 minutes to your plane and you're in the restaurant, like when, when they're ready to, when they're ready to, put you through security, even if the plane hasn't pulled up yet. When they're ready to put you through security, you got to go through security. I remember my wife and I, we were at the restaurant. The, we saw the plane come in. We were like, all right, we'll now leave the restaurant and go through security. And they'd already shut down security. Guy was all upset. He's like, I, you know, we, we, we wanted you here. And she's like, the plane wasn't even here yet. Uh, again, we'll have to see what goes on with the Chippewa Valley Regional Airport. Uh, quickly on this, uh, Josh Stanley Local Republican announced he's going to go up against the Democrat incumbent Jody Emerson for the state assembly. Uh, Democrats like Emerson have served Eau Claire in the state assembly since 1985. I said this last night when I saw it. Is Josh Stanley the best Republicans can offer at that? I'm not saying that I wouldn't vote for Jody Emerson. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you're a Republican out there, are you really that excited about Josh Stanley. He ran a very quiet campaign for city council about three years ago. Uh, now, maybe he learned a little bit more. Uh, very much a uh, very much a religious Republican uh, turn on Josh Stanley. He is very, very, very conservative, is Josh Stanley. Uh so keep an eye. I will see. You know, maybe he'll he'll find a a vein in the area. Uh, but in Eau Claire, you kind of wonder if uh, you know Eau Claire is not blue as the sky as people think it is. It is rather rather moderate, Eau Claire. But that being said, if if you are a Republican and you don't want a Democrat there, you can't you can't you're not going to win if you're hundred percent the other way you, you, you're just not so we'll have to see you know I might be wrong on that whole thing is he really the best they have to offer and of course the more the older you get the more you understand too that these various parties they ID which races they think they've got a shot and they'll steer people towards running <clears throat> yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Josh Stanley would have to compete in a primary if somebody else elects to run. Uh, but right now he's running unopposed for the Republican ticket. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the program today by talking about Homeless Week. Uh, it's something that you see a lot at college towns. UW-Eau Claire is one of them. 
And every year around this time, you hear the story of Homeless Week. And that's where you're at the time of the year where the college year ends. The leases for these college rentals expire, and then they don't kick up again until June 1st. And that is to allow landlords, it's allow property management companies a week to clean out a spot, fix it, all of that sort of thing. To sort of reset, to flip over the house for another group coming in. It's not uncommon to have a week separation or at least a couple of days separation whenever there is a turnover at any type of rental unit. A week does tend to be a little long, but the truth of the matter is some of these, a lot of these homes I have long since been beaten up and not just because college kids are college kids. That is sometimes the case, but also they're just older. They've Got a lot of miles on them. They need to be fixed up, repaired, what have you. This means that college students that aren't going home, don't have a place to stay, are technically homeless for a few days. Now, some will find hotels, they'll find this, that, but it's, it's no doubt an inconvenience. Even if you've got another option, it's a huge inconvenience. Well, here's first things first. Before you go any further with this, And I've already seen both TV stations fall for the same trap. Stop viewing landlords in general as evil. We do that all the time. Big bad landlord. We were just talking about about housing earlier on here. Property management companies, housing, you know, landlords, they're just evil. You've got this automatic negativity towards these people. Like they walk around in a white suit with a pooch on their belly, smoking a cigar with a big bag that has a dollar sign, walking around going, ha, 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 ha. Stop viewing landlords in general as evil. You're going into every conversation thinking automatically the person that owns the land is the bad one. Now, some are better than others, but there is a general evil feeling that a lot of people have towards landlords. Now that shows in places like New York State, where since the pandemic, renters have been granted leniency, amnesty on paying their rent. And that's continued and there's no plan to take it away. And they've got a lot of landlords that cannot get any money out of the people that are staying at their spot. It's terrible. So landlords, whenever you see these stories about homelessness week this week, it's always about, oh, these property management companies just do not care about the kids and they're just taking their check and they're this and they're that and this and that. You got to remember a couple of things. First off, these property management companies, yeah, they're in it to make money. Everybody's in it to make money. That's not bad. If you, it's not bad. Doesn't mean they don't have a heart. They've got things they've got to do. A lot of the landlords are individuals. They're families, a house that's been in the family or a house that they've owned for a number of years and all of that. They're not some rich person. So what I say is the whole conversation on Homeless Week needs to move beyond the every year just 
again, pounding sand, spitting into the wind, arguing about how bad landlords are, whining. All people do is complain without true solutions or acknowledging what can be done. And here's what can be done. One, UW-Eau Claire does offer inexpensive housing for a couple weeks. They do. I think it's like 15, 16 bucks. Now that is still a $200 spend for a for a couple weeks. But there's an option there. It doesn't fix the other issue though of people need a spot to place their junk. Yeah, you know, you, you don't just need a spot to park your carcass. You need places to put your stuff. And storage units can be rather expensive. Well, for one, I say this, why not pool money together, resources together? And I'm not saying individuals get together and do that, though that wouldn't be too bad. But what can the university and these property groups and other organizations in town do to say, hey, if you're going to be in this two-week gray period without a house, you can store your stuff here. Here's a special rate. Do any of these property management companies have connections to a storage unit? Hey, you can get 50% off at this storage unit. Same thing with these property management companies. They can say, hey, with, with us, 50% off at a hotel. Rental companies can work out deals with hotels and storage units. They can. Now, individual landlords, likely not. They don't have the power and all, and all of those things. But that, those are the sort of conversations we should be having. Not just, oh, the landlords are evil and trying to guilt them into fixing things. If nothing else, even if you say, Scott, that is how it should be fixed, I've heard the same bitching for seven years and nothing's changed. I think it was about five, six years ago, there was a rather big push in Eau Claire. I want to say the university really started to, ha- started to hop on that train too, public relations-wise. Nothing's changed. So you can keep bitching and moaning or you can actually do something different. And I'm sure there are some people that have followed the solutions I've talked about right here. There there might already be some of these that exist. That needs more coverage as opposed to just constantly bitching about how evil the landlords are. And I'm not saying every landlord is, is innocent. There are bad landlords. There are bad landlords out there. There are some places for student housing that is glorified slums. That does exist. But that's not the majority. I, that's not the majority. You're not going to convince me of that. And it does not help fixing the problem when you're going in all just blanketly thinking everyone's evil. It helps when you go in blanketly thinking others, the other side wants to help. It's the issue we've had with politics as well. Everybody goes in just automatically assuming I can't change the other person's side, so all I'm doing is pretty much grandstanding and yelling, and I'm going to try to yell louder than them. Uh, Thursday, we will have a recorded edition 
of Talk of the Town. So back with you on Thursday with another installment. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody.